0: All right, everybody say real friends. You know, as we are, are talking about real friends, that is the, the next stage we talked about last week, just relating to people and just on a really a surface level. And so this week we want to go a little bit deeper as we begin to develop real friends relationship. And that's when people start sharing their stories. Uh, When you you just relate it's not just hi. How are you doing? How's the weather how's sports? But people begin to open up and they begin to share their stories They they don't go into in-depth dark secrets, but they sort of give you a a beginning broad view of your life of their lives And what's going on in their lives and and if you get a chance ask Meredith about her experience at the racetrack um, in the men's restroom (laughs) And if you've been in the men's restroom the thing on the wall that's drinking the water is not a sink. <laughs> I'll stop right there. Because she needs to go in depth of but hand sanitize before you shake her hand and <laughs> too good not to share. And she goes, You wanna I wanna tell you a funny story? And yeah, it is. I was like, oh. I haven't shook her hand, touched her. But, but the whole key, and I want to look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, because it starts to talk about sharing our story. And how we share our story and the actual words that we use are just as important as the story. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, They have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb, which is Jesus Christ, which is communion, which we're celebrating today. And by their testimony, by their testimony, and when you begin to open up your life to somebody, you are trusting them with something that is inside you. And and it's exciting when, when somebody opens up and And on these connect cards, we got this connect card on the 27th of June this year. You know, people really open up and they begin to share their stories. And and I love it because this young woman is going to get baptized at the end of service. But it says, this is what she said. And I said, we'll make this happen no matter what. She says, I've always believed in God and have always gone to church. I've been waiting for the right time to be baptized. I have finally found my true self and am now ready to be baptized. My birthday is a Sunday this year, and I was wondering if I could be baptized. And I love this because, I mean, this is a dad just crunches me when it's a daughter. Please, you know, they want to do that. But let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. And Father, it's in relating that, Lord, we have to go beyond the surface. We have to begin to get real in our lives. We have to begin to get real in our lives with ourselves. We've got to get real with you, Jesus, with you, Holy Spirit, with you, Father God. And then we've got to begin to get real with those that are going to be real in our lives. And so, Father, for the, for the next 20 minutes, prepare our hearts for communion Sunday, but also really let us look at our lives. And are we a real friend? And do we have real friends? In Jesus' name, Amen. It's interesting in life that you can ask two people who go on the same exact trip, and and you have a person, and 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 one of person is that a cup is half empty person, and the other person is a cup is half full person, and the first day of the trip is absolutely terrible, and you ask the person was was on the half empty cup they will tell you even though day number two was outstanding they will tell you that the trip went terrible amen no matter that it started off bad but it ended unbelievable and god did amazing things and then you have the half cup half full cup person and the first day went terrible the second day was amazing you ask them how the trip was and they don't even give you an inkling that anything went wrong they said it was absolutely amazing and all of that kind of stuff and it's unique because neither one of them is lying neither one is lying And in small groups, and I'm going to focus on that a little bit because it's small group sign up today. You can sign up in the hub. But it really applies to every relationship that we have in life. That two people can go through a... Similar situation together, one comes out of the situation with compassion and humility and wisdom that they didn't have before, and the other person goes through that, and they come out with a hardened heart towards bitterness, it doesn't work, they're negative, whatever it is in life. And the way that people talk about the event, the way that people talk about the events that go on in their life. Gives us a lot of perspective on how they view life. How they view life. For example. I had a real friend. And he was a husband. Been married for some years. And as we talked, not as a clergy, but as a, as a friend. He, he began to go into great detail of how his wife had every reason to be unhappy with him. I'm not creative, Vic. I'm not enthusiastic anymore, Vic. I'm not adventurous anymore, Vic. And he kept saying through the conversation, he kept saying, I'm just a stick in the mud. I'm just a stick in the mud. I'm just a stick in the mud. And in that moment, God just gave me an incredible word of wisdom for him, one of the nine spiritual gifts. Because I'm listening, I'm just a stick in the mud, I'm not adventurous, I'm not enthusiastic, etc., etc. And then I just looked at him and very simply said, God told me to tell you, you're not a stick in the mud. No emotion, no fanfare, but just a simple revelation. You're not a stick in the mud. And we went on to talk about how I said he had to prophesy that he had to call those things that are not as though they already were. He had to make declarations that he wasn't a stick in the mud, that he was adventurous, he was enthusiastic, he was creative, all those things. But, but, but when the man got that, that small, simple word, he broke into tears because something that God used, a simple, Holy Spirit-inspired statement that God used to tap into his shame, that suddenly, suddenly guy for a moment felt understood in his life everybody say trust but he trusted enough to say man this is my life this is the way that I'm feeling because of relationship but the key is this folks it wasn't just a counseling appointment but we had built a relationship before all that when things were great and good And not just me coming when he's at that point in his life when all of a sudden it's there. And that's what you've got to understand. Trust is the glue of any relationship. Trust can overcome almost anything in life. Because without trust in our life, we feel helpless and we feel hopeless and we feel alone in our life. And some people, listen, some people, you all trust people way too much and way too quickly. And it leaves you significantly exposed to harm. And that's why you've got to build trust. You build trust. But The real problem for most of us is the opposite. Can I be real for a moment? Most of us are posers. We're posers. We won't let anybody below the surface of our lives. We don't want to admit that we need anyone in our lives. We don't want to develop an interdependence on them. We don't want to lean on them. We don't want to learn how and who to trust in our life. But let me tell you, there's a difference of codependency, which is unhealthy, and interdependency, which is the word of God, us being the body of Christ, that is very healthy. And you've got to understand there's a difference. You're not becoming codependent on a person, but you're interdependent upon that person. Trust is the glue of any relationship. And Communion Sunday, we need to remember to trust in Jesus because we believe that we trusted him with our spirit to go to heaven, but we have to learn to trust. Everybody say trust. We've got to learn to trust him with our daily lives. We've got to learn to trust him with our daily lives. And let me tell you, trust is revealing our wounds to receive comfort. Trust is revealing our wounds to receive comfort. Trust is revealing our story. Because see, when you're like, hey, this is my story and and I messed up in chapters 1 through 8. And I'll tell you, chapter 9, we're going to start rewriting your story. And there be real as most of us don't trust, and we choose the grimace from our wounds, always insisting that we're fine, always insisting, "I'm fine. I'm fine, Vic, I'm fine." And yet God's given us a beautiful promise: Confess your faults to one another, pray for each other, that you might be healed. Yes, spiritual reality. We need to be selective about who we trust and for good reasons. And if we think about people, we know we easily identify four types of people in regards to trust. Some people trust blindly. They trust the untrustworthy. And they they trust the untrustworthy, those who lie to them and use them and abuse them and neglect them. And for some reason... They 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 rely on them and then you have the people who refuse to trust and they withdraw and they isolate they build walls They don't want to be open in their lives And then you have people who refuse to trust, but then they intimidate they grit their teeth and they say, you know what? I'm never gonna let anybody in I'm never gonna let anybody hurt me again. And let me tell you you're gonna you're gonna be alone in your life but then some of us have learned to trust wisely You learn to trust only to the extent that people have earned your trust. You move forward with those who are willing to be open and honest themselves. They speak truth, but not to manipulate. They draw close, but not to control. And this is where we want to go in our small groups, our dream teams, life in general. Everybody say trust. But trust is an investment. Trust is an investment. In a minute, when I baptize Macy, she's going to have to trust I will bring her up out of the water. <laughs> Come on, say amen. I will, but, but it's a trust that she has literally put her life into my hands. But trust is an investment. When people buy stocks and bonds and mutual funds and Bitcoin and real estate and any other investment, when you talk to them, they calculate the risk. And successful investors come in all shapes and sizes and stripes. But the one thing that they have in common is they're willing to take some risk. Maybe not much, but at least a little. And they become shrewd investors... And effective investors because they've honed over the years by trial and error of what's good and what's not right. And re- gradually they've learned to spot companies or opportunities where their money is promised a good return. Well the parallel is as Christians and as human beings we need to learn to be like wise money managers. We need to study wise money managers and invest our trust in the right people. And probably one of the ways that we learn to invest in the right people is trial and error ourselves, amen? But better than doing trial and error ourselves is watching others invest in people. And really the best way to look is look at the Word of God. That's what it is. So you don't have to make mistakes. You don't have to lose your shirt and your house and all that stuff in relationships. And let me tell you, by watching, up, watching you all and reading the Bible, it don't hurt as much. and i watch how did jesus trust wisely and how did the disciples and other people trust foolishly and then you begin to learn the characteristics and the trait and the fruit in those people that you're willing to move forward with and you learn to identify people to take the risk of opening a window opening a window into your heart one more time. I say trust. And when I read the Bible, I think of Jesus who seemed to make some risky investments in relationships. Did they all pay off? No. And we see his closest followers. They misunderstood him. They occasionally challenged him. And Peter, who was close to Jesus, when you study Jesus's relationships, he was incredibly gracious to draw people close to him. But he was also willing to speak the truth and say something that needed to be said. And when we learn these behaviors, we elevate the level of trust in our relationships. Everybody say trust. So the backstory of Matthew chapter fourteen, when Jesus heard that his cousin John the Baptist had been beheaded, he got he he, was, he got on a boat, he went to the place where he could be alone. And yet the crowds came because they knew about the miracles. And it's always amazing because they didn't care that his cousin had just been beheaded. They didn't care that Jesus was trying to grieve. No, they're like most people. They were selfish. And, and that's okay. That's not a problem. And so Jesus is trying to get away and grieve his, his cousin's death. Thousands of people were coming on him, and I love it because Jesus, full of compassion, he spent time with the people, he healed the sick, he was concerned that they were hungry in Matthew 14. After dinner, all the, the multiplication of the bread and the loaves and the fish and all that stuff, he tells the disciples, he says, hey, get in the boat, start rowing to the other side. He sent the crowd away, and he said, finally, I'm going to have some time alone to thank, to pray, and to grieve. And then you have the guys in the boat. A couple of them were fishermen, so they were great boat people. And in Matthew chapter 14, verses 25 through 29, we see that they're not making a lot of progress because of a storm. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. The problem is we usually focus on. That Peter began to doubt, he began to sink, he called out to Jesus, he grabbed Jesus' hand, he got back in the boat. Matthew says, it tells us in the same story, that the disciples thought, man, this miracle of Peter walking on the water and being rescued is more amazing than 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 the fish and the loaves. And, and at the verse 33, they said they were amazed, and truly you are the Son of God. So it was very revelation in a moment. But I want to go back to that moment in the boat when the disciples were in trouble, when they saw Jesus, and remember a different account, same story, Mark says he believes Jesus was intending just to walk past them, even though they were in a storm, even though they were going nowhere. Mark says, I think Jesus was gonna just walk past us. And we just read Jesus, they saw Jesus walking on the, on the water. They thought it was a ghost. They realized it wasn't a ghost. Jesus was strolling by. Hey, how's it going? How's it going, guys? And they probably answered like most of us. Oh, it's not too bad. We're we're doing pretty good. Come on, say amen. Because that's usually what we say. Even though life is crashing. And it's clear that Jesus wasn't on a rescue mission. He's just walking by. And here's the wow moment for me something inside of Peter said man I'm just not going to let things play out and meet Jesus on the shore in a few hours I love Peter because he didn't want to settle for survival he didn't want a run of a mill life he didn't want to just watch Jesus pa- walk past them and he calls out in verse 28 lord if you if that's you tell me to walk on the water if that's you lord Tell me to come and walk on the water. What was he really asking when you mind this? Jesus, can I trust you? Jesus, are you really gonna be there for me? It wasn't a calm water, it wasn't a swimming pool. It was like crash and waves and blowing and wind. Are you really gonna be there for me, Jesus? Jesus, can I really do something that I've never dreamed of doing? And still be safe. And I love Jesus' response. Because, see, at that point, I believe Peter's trust was waning. But with bold reassurance, he said, Peter, simple. It's worth the risk. Come. Come. Think about it. Peter had been following Jesus for a while. They had been relating. They'd been walking miles from town to town. They were talking, enjoying meals, spending nights together, doing ministry together. They were doing their whole life. But, but, but suddenly there's an elevation, there's a transformation, there's a change, there's something that they're going to this second stage of real friends of, everybody, say trust. Peter could have remained in the boat on the stormy night, but he didn't want to settle for playing it safe. And let me tell you, you can keep attending Sunday church, and you can keep it real safe, no real relationships, and probably six to nine to 12 months you'll be out. Or you can be like Peter. Who wanted more of Jesus, who wanted the, the life that Jesus offered, wanted that promise of James 5:16. wanted that, but I'm tired of hurting inside, and I want to be healed. See, you can say, you know what? I've tried small groups they failed with me in the past, or you know what? I'm going to try them one more time and I'm gonna sign up in the hub. Because you know what? I'm tired of fake friends, and I need some real ones. Or I'm tired of no friends, and I just need some real people. And I love it, because Jesus didn't command Peter to walk out on the water. He said, Peter, come on. Peter chose to make an investment in his relationship with Jesus. And when you choose to invest your life in the people of Family Life Fellowship, you're making an investment with Jesus, be it the dream team, the small group, the friendship groups, whatever. I love this quote by Brad Metzler who wrote The Inner Circle. In this world, there was nothing scarier than trusting someone. But there was also nothing more rewarding. Peter was richly rewarded for trusting Jesus that night. Think about it, he was the catalyst of the first church. What do you want? Who are you to be? Because you can be richly rewarded by trusting Jesus and trusting others that he brings into your life. Everybody say trust. Trust is a courageous choice. And let me tell you, we can come up with dozens of reasons of why we prefer to stay safe in the boat and behind the wall of distrust because, Vic, you don't know how I've been hurt. I don't know about all that, but I do know this. You're gonna miss out on the greatest adventures and the biggest rewards that Christ has for you because trust is not the goal. Trust is not your problem. What your problem's been is trusting wisely Trusting wisely, because some of us and especially you that are younger, you fully trusted people who have abused you, abandoned you, and used you for selfish ends. That's not trusting wisely, and I just want to help you learn to trust wisely. Choose trustworthy people who have a track record of integrity, of honesty, and care for others. Listen, don't expect them to be perfect. There was only one. Come on, say amen. I'm not perfect. But we need to look for people who are trustworthy enough. And we need to be people who are worthy of people trusting us with their hearts, with their hearts. So we need to ask ourselves, am I willing to listen? Am I willing to care? Am I willing to be patient with the process? Do I speak the truth in in love? Because see, we need to hold the truth in one hand and love in the other and marry them together. And that's what communion reminds me of. That Jesus covers my weaknesses. He exalts my strengths. And he wants me to go out and do likewise into people's lives. Everybody say, trust. That he trusts me to do for others what he did for me. That's what marriage is all about, it's what family's all about. Peter didn't walk on that water that night because he was looking for a thrill. I believe Peter stepped out of that boat because Jesus had proven himself to be trustworthy. You're going to step out and join a small group, a dream team, start growth tracks, start not rushing out at altar call and not coming in late and staying a little bit and, and, and not get jealous of other friendship groups there. Let me tell you be like me. You see a group of people, bust that circle. Trust me, bust that circle. We were in Branson and watching the Jesus thing the other week, and, and and I'm childlike, I'm not childish, sometimes I get childish, my wife says, but but we're sitting there, and, and let me tell you, we we're getting ready to meet Jesus, and, and see Jesus, and, and man, I'm like excited, and I was sitting around with a bunch of frozen chosen, and and... And there was no joy. There was no happiness. And the only happiness I had is my wife allowed me to get these candy almonds. You know, the ones they roast. And, and I'm like chowing on my almonds. And I'm looking at this lady next to me. And she's not eating her almonds. So I just looked at her and I said, ma'am, excuse me. And she looked at me. She said, what? I said, when I'm done with my almonds, can I have yours? And it broke. Our whole section started laughing. And, 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 and it was contagious. And, and all of a sudden it went to the rows behind us and the rows in front of us. And everybody wanted to be involved in it. Because why? Man, people want to experience joy. you got to step out of the boat. And I'm like, man, this is who I am. And, and then, you know, it was like I had to go to the bathroom. And I was on the end. I was like the fifth seat in from then in. And I thought, you know, I just want to stand up and walk across the other 35 seats. Just because. (laughs) Seriously. Jesus didn't push himself on Peter that night. Jesus didn't say, hey, I know more than you. You're incompetent without me, Peter. And it may have been true. I'm getting ready to close. I'm going to put some stuff out just because of time. I'll put some stuff out on social media this week on how to, how to really relate. Just practical things. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to share it. Or I'll share it at second service, but the baptism I want to focus on. Jesus is the consummate gentleman. And he waited for Peter to voice his request. And on the surface... We, when we don't really read the Bible, we criticize Peter for his wavering faith that caused him to sink. But he's the only one that got out of the boat. And let me be real, Jesus is the hero of this story. But the second hero in my eyes is Peter. And I wanna close with this, tell your story. Your story. Undoubtedly, Jesus and Peter walked together and they shared a lot of personal stories around the campfires on the road because they didn't have all the distractions that we have. You know, sometimes we need to do a little less of this and a little bit more of that with people. Peter was telling the story of his heart when you really look at it. I want more than safety. I want more than status quo. But I want a friend. And I'm gonna take a real big step to connect with Jesus at a greater level. Share your story this season. Don't spill your guts to everyone. Be wise and selective and discreet. Find someone who's proven to honor the truth in other people's lives. And each time that you get with them, don't give everything. Just give them a nugget. Give them a nugget. Share a fact, share a feeling and see what they reply with. if they don't reply then don't share anymore because real friends is both ways and then if you feel comfortable the next time share another fact i'm going to ask everybody to please stand they're going to bring communion forward Uh, i want to let you know we've got new communion cups i know this is practical and i'm sorry to explain this uh they're like a chalice And so a little bit different on the bottom of the chalice is your wafer. So you can do that first. And then on the top is your juice. And so we should eliminate stained shirts. Come on, say amen. (laughs) Let's pray over communion. They're going to bring it forward. Hold on. Father God, I just thank you. And Father, us who are Christians, let us remember that Jesus is a real friend who's closer than a brother. And Jesus is a friend who sticks with us in our adversities. Jesus is a friend who rejoices us when things go great in our lives. And I believe Jesus weeps with us when we go through those difficult times. And Father, we just need to remember that. We just need to remember, Lord, Psalm 51. Renew my relationship with you. Father, I just pray that this communion, this Sunday, something will happen supernaturally in each and every person's life. In Jesus' name, amen. You can come partake of communion. God bless. Have a wonderful and amazing week, y'all.